This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. I think I made this comment before, and it, it bears repetition. We don't know when the, rapture, when the rapture takes place relative to the tribulation. We know it's before the tribulation begins, but we don't know if it's one day before. We don't know if it's a month before. We don't know if it's a couple of years before. It could be anything. The Bible really doesn't say. Now, I was raised in the Baptist church, and if the tribulation was on, if the tribulation started Friday, that means Thursday the church was raptured. That's just the way that we, that's just the way it was talked about. But the Bible doesn't say that's the way it works. We don't know. Maybe it takes a while for the church to be gone, for the Antichrist to position himself, for things to be settled, uh, set up so that the war in Ezekiel 38 begins. I don't know. It's possible. But what do you imagine is going to happen as soon as the church is raptured? First of all, who gets taken? Well, the Bible says everybody that believes in Jesus gets taken. Does that mean all the church people go? Not everybody that goes to church is Christian. So you're going to have people that have heard about the rapture. You're going to have people that have heard about Jesus that aren't, that don't go, that are left behind. If that was you, what would you do? All of a sudden everybody disappears. Let's say it does, let's say the rapture does take place on Saturday night. You go to church Sunday morning and you and a small group of people are waiting for somebody to unlock the doors. What are you going to think? There's going to be a, a number of people that are going to get saved right away from the rapture. Right away. Now, if there's a, if there's a, a period of time between the rapture and the tribulation, that means they're going to stay here on the earth. They'll be here when these things begin. If the rapture happens just before the tribulation period, then that means you're going to have an influx of people into the family of God right off the bat. And then on the heels of that, you're going to have 144,000 Jewish evangelists. Now, the 144,000 are not all in Israel. They're spread out throughout the world. And these 144,000 immediately go about telling people about Jesus. Here's what's going on. Here's why it's going on. Here's what the Bible says. And they've certainly got the Old Testament to, to back it up. So you can well imagine that immediately after God saves Israel from this, uh, from Gog and Magog and the coalition armies in Ezekiel 38, you can immediately recognize that a lot of people are going to give their hearts to Jesus. Turn with me to chapter 7. Maybe we better read some of this. Revelation chapter 7, it talks about the 144,000. And in the same seventh chapter, it tells about the result of their ministry. Now here's why some people think that the rapture takes place in the middle of the, the uh, tribulation period. Let's start reading in verse um, 9. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. It says, After this I beheld, and lo, a great number. Now, after this means after the 144,000 Jewish evangelists are identified. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds of people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robe and palms in their hands. Now, I want you to notice that phrase, palms in their hands. That sounds like Jewish worship, doesn't it? And they cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne in their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto the, our God forever and ever. Amen. 
And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? Where'd they come from? Notice the elder, the one that has represented the church, who was in heaven from the beginning of the tribulation period, now ask, Who is this great multitude? The elders don't represent them. They are foreign to the elders. They're not a part of the church. Doesn't mean they're not saved, but they're not a part of the church company. So he asked, who are these people? And I said, sir, you know, you're the one that knows. And he says to me, these are they which are come out of great tribulation. So that means they came to heaven during the tribulation period. This is about at the three and a half year mark, right at the halfway part, halfway mark of the tribulation. These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Notice they weren't given white robes. They had to wash their robes. There's another distinction between the church and the great multitude. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst no more. That means this is what happened during the tribulation period, the famines and the plagues and the, the other stuff. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them into living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Notice the difference in what the Bible talks about the church being caught away and the great multitude. The church is caught away, and it says the dead in Christ rise first. There's no resurrection of the dead with the great multitude being caught up into heaven. The Bible says that the church meets Jesus in the air. No reference of that with the great multitude. Their, their worship is different. They're worshiping as Israel worships, not like the church worships. They don't talk about anything about being redeemed by the blood of the Lamb or being made kings and priests unto God. There, this is why there's some controversy in the body of Christ about when the rapture is. Because people read this verse of Scripture and they think, well, that's the church. Well, it's not the church. Those are the people that were saved during the tribulation, primarily through the work of the 144,000 Jewish evangelists, maybe also others that were saved because they were in church, they had some church background, some church connection, some uh, some loved ones perhaps that had witnessed to them, but they had never received. But then when the tribulation events, rapture and tribulation events take place, then they give their hearts to Jesus. These are the ones that make up the great multitude. And they come up at about the halfway part, halfway point of the tribulation. Now, at the halfway point of the tribulation, the, uh, the Antichrist changes things. A lot of things happen at the three-and-a-half-year mark, three-and-a-half-year point of the tribulation, the, half mo- the halfway mark. A lot of things happen. Let me give you some of the references. One of the first things that happens is the Antichrist breaks his agreement with Israel. This is spoken of in Daniel chapter 9. The tribulation saints, these are the great multitude, the Jews and the Gentiles are caught up and escape the wrath of the Antichrist. When the Antichrist breaks his peace agreement with Israel and wages war on Israel, then this great multitude is snatched away before he can harm them. Here's God doing his thing. Here's Jesus protecting the people that that make him the Lord of their lives, even though the Antichrist is in his power. He's doing his thing. He's doing everything he can. And every time the Antichrist says, here's what I'm going to do, God says, zoop. That's not going to work. The next thing it talks about is an upheaval of nature. We'll, we'll refer to that. Turn back with me, over with me to chapter 8. We'll look at that in just a minute. It says the Antichrist moves against Israel and God hides the remnant, those that are unsaved, those that are still unsaved in Israel, the Jews that are unsaved. He hides them away. 
both Revelation chapter 12 and Daniel chapter 9 talks about this. It says that the Antichrist destroys the religious system, the world church, the harlot that he has established, and he declares himself as God. Now, Daniel speaks of this, and also the, this is the abomination of, that Daniel refers to, along with Second uh, Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, refer to this as well. The false prophet introduces the mark of the beast and attempts to control commerce. The false prophet introduces idolatry, worship of the image of the beast. The two witnesses begin their ministry. We we'll want to talk about that in a minute. The angelic ministry begins and the plagues begin. All these things happen at the halfway part of the tribulation. Now, the first part of the tribulation isn't too bad. Only a fourth of the world is destroyed. Plagues, pestilences, earthquakes, stuff like that. You know, just normal stuff. But at the halfway point of the tribulation, where the Antichrist really shows who he is and comes against Israel, um, there's no way to describe it. I mean, you could say all hell breaks loose, but it's really not. I mean, it's God breaks loose. But stuff starts happening like crazy. Now, there's still 144,000 Jewish evangelists here on the earth. The great multitude is raptured, but the 144,000 are not yet. They are raptured in the last month of the tribulation period. So they're here for six years and 11 months, roughly, thereabouts. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly, but it indicates to us that they're here just about to the end. And so they continue their ministry. They're still trying to get people saved. Now, folks, I want you to understand something. Since the revelation is the revelation of Jesus, please notice that the mercy of God is continually extended to people even while his wrath is being poured out. Still being extended to people. It says that at the halfway point of the tribulation, we'll take a couple of these. We can't talk about all the things that we mentioned, but a couple of things are significant. One is the Antichrist says after three and a half years, he's been in charge now for roughly three and a half years, maybe just a little bit less. He's in charge, and he says, I'm God. I haven't told you this before, but I've got something to let you know. I'm God. And then all of a sudden in Revelation chapter 8, let me show you what happens. Revelation chapter 8, verse 5. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire into the altar, the fire of the altar, and cast into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood. And they were cast upon the earth. And the third part of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Here's the significant part. The Antichrist sits in the temple of, uh, uh, the temple of God in Jerusalem. It's been rebuilt by that time. The Antichrist probably has a lot to do with that, uh, allowing it to happen at least. And so he stands up in the temple and says, I'm God. In in what represents to the Jews, who are the only ones that God's still really trying to reach, the majority of those that he's trying to reach, he's hiding them away. He stands up in the temple of the Lord and says, I'm God. And all of a sudden, the earth just comes undone. Now, if you're still on the earth and you're hearing and seeing by worldwide news that he's pronounced himself God, and then all of a sudden earthquakes take place, and then something hits the earth that destroys the trees and the grass and all that kind of stuff. What kind of God are you thinking he is? Oh, well, you don't mean God that controls the weather. You don't mean God that controls earthquakes and stuff then, do you? Because he can't control anything. Every time the Antichrist stands up and says he is something or he's going to do something, Jesus says, watch this. He disproves everything that he says. It goes further. It says in verse 8, And a second angel sounded, and it was, uh, as it were, a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea, and the third part of the sea became blood. 
And the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died. That's, that's fish. There's the food supply. And had life died and the third part of the ships were destroyed. And the third angel sounded and there fell a great star from heaven burning as it were a lamp and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood and the third part of the waters became Wormwood and many died because of the waters because they were made bitter. And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars, so as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. That means there's only eight hours of light per day. And I beheld an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. The reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. So there's a tremendous upheaval of nature that takes place. All this to show that God is God, no matter what the Antichrist claims and the Antichrist does. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Here's why the Word of God is the power of God, because it reveals God's will. When you can find God's words on a subject, whether it's healing, whether it's finances, whether it's peace, whatever area you have need of, you find what God's word says, you've just found God's will in that area. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to MikeWeb.tv. Look with me to Revelation chapter 12. I want you to see this. This is my favorite part of the, of the whole book. Because at the halfway point of the tribulation, the Bible is very specific. It talks about the two witnesses, the beginning of the ministry of the two witnesses. It says very specifically that they operate for 42 months. That's three and a half years. It even gives us the number of days that make up three and a half years. It says that they operate for three and a half years. That means from the midpoint of the tribulation to the last day of the tribulation. Last days of the tribulation is pretty significant. It's at the midpoint that the Antichrist stands up and says, I'm God. So right on the heels of that, the great multitude has been taken up. They've been raptured to get them out of the, of the, the line of fire of the Antichrist. And now you've got two guys. We don't know who they are, but two witnesses. And notice what it says about these two guys. Um, well, let's just start in verse 1. It says, And there was given unto me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise, and measure the temple of God and the altar, and them that worship therein. But the court which is without, or outside the temple, leave out, and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles. And the holy city, that's Jerusalem, shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. Here's where the Antichrist sets up his headquarters at the midpoint of the tribulation in Jerusalem. That's where he declares himself to be God. And I will give, verse 3, I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. That's three and a half years. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. Now, folks, I don't... I don't think there's any way that any of us could qualify as one of the two witnesses. But if God's looking for for people to volunteer, I would love this job. (laughs) Seriously, love this job. For three and a half years, these guys are standing there as the the only voices of the Lord. Now, the 144 evangelists are still there. They're out preaching, but they're undercover. 
They're, they're, you know, escaping and, and hiding away and stuff like that. They're still getting people saved, still doing the work of the Lord. But these two witnesses are right out in front. They're right out in Jerusalem where the, the Antichrist sets up his headquarters. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. I like these guys. <laughs> these have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and they have power over waters to turn them to blood, and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. <laughs> and they shall have, when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the streets. Now, this is a, a three-and-a-half-year su- summary of what takes place during the, the ministry of these three, two witnesses. Their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also the Lord was crucified. Jerusalem, in other words. And they of the people and of the kindreds and tongues and, and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another. Because that these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. Looks like they win. Not so much. Verse 11. And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God. I love that phrase. The spirit of life from God. Entered into them and they stood upon their feet and great fear came upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. Now that's the last day of the tribulation. We just encapsulated three and a half years regarding just the ministry of the two witnesses. Now there's a lot of other stuff going on during that three and a half years. It talks about further upheavals of nature. Um, it talks about... Uh, um, Plagues and different things like that that are taking place. But I want you to see over and over again, I want you to see, here's what God does when the devil makes his boast. Let me close with this. Turn with me over to Revelation chapter 15. Let me finish with this. This is after the 144,000 are caught up. 144,000 Jewish evangelists are caught up into heaven uh, about a month before tribulation ends. Six, Six years and 11 months into the tribulation period. That's in chapter 14. And then in chapter 15... It talks about one final group. Verse 1, And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire. That's the church that was spoken of in Revelation chapter 5, or Revelation chapter 4, I should say. And them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name stand on the sea of glass having the harps of God. Notice those are two different groups. It says, I saw the sea of glass, that's the church, mingled with fire, and the others that stood on the sea of glass. Now, who were the others? The others were the ones that came out of the tribulation. They got victory over the beast and over the mark of the beast and over all the stuff the Antichrist did. So it speaks of two different groups. In other words, this is the whole of the family of God gathered together. Those of the church age that were raptured before the tribulation began, and those that were raptured during the tribulation. 144,000 are part of this group as well. You know what's interesting to me? This, uh, this blows my mind every time I see it. John saw himself there. 
He probably saw himself as one of the 24 elders. Now, he either didn't know that was him or he didn't see fit to sell us that I was there too. So I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire and them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name stand on the sea of glass having the harps of God. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. So you got a Jewish company. The Bible says all Israel shall be saved. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean every last person that's a Jew on the face of the earth shall be saved? Maybe not. But it means that God continues to reach out for the sake of his servant Abraham. Because of the covenant that he made with Abraham and his seed and his descendants, God continues to reach out over and over and over and over and over again to Israel. Now, folks, one of the things that, um, well, uh, maybe I shouldn't get into that. It doesn't take a little bit too much time. Here you see not only the church singing a new song, that's the song of the redeemed, but you see them singing the song of Moses, that's the Jews. So it says, they sang a new song, the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, the King of saints, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. Now, the, the um, let me go through this real quickly. At this point in time, we know that it's, there's, there's no more than a month left of the tribulation because that's when the 144,000 are caught up into heaven. We know when that takes place. So there's, we're somewhere in the last four weeks of the seven years of tribulation when Revelation chapter 15 talks about. The only two people that are left on the earth as spokesmen for God are the two witnesses. They're not caught up until the last day of the tribulation. And they're raptured just like everybody else is raptured, just at a different time and in a different manner. Well, for some, not even in a different manner. And it starts, it ends, the tribulation ends the same way that it starts, with a voice saying, come up here. Now, during that last month of the tribulation period, there are seven final plagues that take place. These are told us in Revelation chapter 16. The seven final plagues that take place, the first one is... The boils and the sores that take, that, that come upon all of the people on the earth and they cry out for, for, uh, for pain. It says that, uh, the, the waters or the seas rather become blood. It says that the waters, the rivers become blood. It does away with a third of the world's water, remaining water. It says the sun becomes scorched. It, it, uh, uh, something happens to the sun and the atmosphere so that the, the rays of the sun are burning rays. And we're not talking sunburns. We're talking, you know, Real thing, scorching rays. The next thing it says is darkness covers the earth, and it says people gnaw on their tongues because of the pain. The next thing it says is the river Euphrates dries up to make a way for the army from the east. And then the last thing is the upheaval of nature, thunderings, lightnings, and earthquake, so that a third of the cities are destroyed and the islands of the sea disappear. Now, the interesting thing about that to me is that God, in the last four weeks, pours out plague after plague after plague, and it says... Now, some people might hear this and say, well, how could God do that? I thought God was a God of love. I thought God was a God of mercy. Over and over again, it says 
that when these things take place, it said the people still didn't repent. It's As a matter of fact, it says when God turns the waters into blood, the angels cry out and say that's a righteous judgment that the, the, the killers of the earth, the evil and the wicked of the earth, should have to drink the blood that they've spilled. So don't get the idea that God's just mad at people. God's exacting a righteous judgment, a righteous consequence for the evil that's on the earth. And it says again and again and again, it says, and the people failed to repent. The people refused to repent. What would you have to, what would it take? I mean, nobody has any doubt that God's doing this. Everybody knows that it's the enemy of the Antichrist because it's messing up all of his plans. Everybody knows it's God, yet people refuse to repent. They refuse to turn away. Refuse to turn away from their sins. And this happens, continues, until the very last day of the tribulation. Now, next week I want to talk to you about the last day of the tribulation. I want to save that for the end because that really has to do with the return of Jesus in his glory. And I'll show you different scriptures, how some people mix that up with the rapture. But here's what I want to leave you with. What's the point of knowing these things? Well, a couple of things stand out to me. One is, I want you to realize that the power of God is shown for one purpose, and that is not to destroy mankind, not to, not to be uh, hard or harsh on them, but he's giving them opportunities to turn away from their sin and from their wickedness, and they refuse again and again and again. But his mercy is still shown, up, shown forth through the 144,000, through the ministry of the two witnesses. He's still reaching out to mankind. But more importantly, to recognize not just the power of God, but remember how Revelation starts off. The book of Revelation starts off with Jesus giving a message to the churches. It's easy for us to overlook that and just, as we did this morning, just skip over to chapter 4 and talk about when John was caught up into heaven and he saw things around the throne of God. He saw the things that were going to happen on the earth and all those other kinds of things. It's real easy to start there and you can get excited about some of that stuff. I do. I understand that. But the book starts. The revelation of Jesus starts with the messages to the church. And every church, there's seven different churches that were given a specific message. And every one of those churches are admonished a couple of things in common. Number one, be faithful. Number two, hold fast to the end. Number three, here's the reward for them that overcome. The whole reason that the book of Revelation is there, and, and in some ways the book of Revelation is the most important book of the Bible, is the climax. You wouldn't read a story and then stop before you get to the end. I mean, you know, if the, if the book's coming to a climax, you want to know how it finishes up. The book of Revelation tells you how things finish up. For what purpose? So that we be faithful, so that we hold out to the end, hopefully so that we recognize that God is true to his word and all-powerful. If God can do this stuff, if God can cause a third of the, the trees uh, to be destroyed and all the grass to burn up with one vial being poured out upon the earth, don't you think God can meet your needs? I mean, really, how tough is it? Seriously, we look at some of the things that we are facing, we think, oh, this is the biggest problem in the world. Really? Revelation shows us not so much. Maybe God is big enough to handle your things. These are the rewards that belong to them that overcome. The Bible says after the tribulation that Jesus is coming back to the earth and bringing us with him from heaven. That means the church has avoided the seven years of disaster called the tribulation, and we will come back and rule and reign with him on the earth. 
Oh, what a glorious time that is. But we've got a lot of work to do before he comes. Thanks for watching. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. You're looking at the problems in your body or the problems in your finances. What do you see? So many people are waiting for God to do something on their behalf. And they've got the life of God in them all the time. How much more abundant does the life of God that caused you to be born again have to be for your situation to change? Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.